From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondres, Rob Kroon, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me from Utah. Double R, double R. You killing anything? Hey. Yeah, we've had, we've had, uh, boy, it's been amazing. This is morning nine. Last morning out here in Utah. I've been hunting the last few days with Tony Smith and Rich Buse and uh, they're they're diver specialists, and, and the crazy thing about this, Rocky, we're hunting out here in the Great Basin, the Great Salt Lake Greater Complex, but probably within ten or fifteen miles of the duck flies radius of where I've been hunting the entire time. And you go from all these little macro niches, these little green wing till, very shallow, or shovelers, or mallards, or and uh, but, but Tony specializes in divers. So for the last three days, we've been chasing redheads and canvas packs, and it's been pretty darn amazing. It just, uh, I tell you, just have fallen off into this corner of the world. And I knew there was duck hunting out here, but I had no idea. It, it's been it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Well, coming up in just a minute is a, another Ramsey Russell Worldwide. Ramsey, you stopped by and sat down with Jeff Foles. Yeah, and that was that was a lot of fun. You know, he's on the way, and I'd never really, uh, I'd never met and shaken hands with Jeff. We talked on the phone several times, and of course, I listened to his podcast like half the other duck hunting world, and uh, very informative. And I just, I was coming back from up north, and just found the opportunity to swing by, and it was really cool. It was really, it was really, uh, really a nice visit to finally shake hands and realize he's just a regular guy like the like the rest of us. You know, we. Uh, Lives in a small little town between the rivers, uh, between Illinois and and Mississippi rivers. That little island, this little point that comes out, and man, it was crazy. Like like, it, it's no big roads getting in there. It's not like you just pull off I fifty five and drive a quarter mile and you're at this little town. Heck no, man. You know you pull off an interstate and for the next several hours, I was getting progressively smaller roads, and I never will forget. Uh, as I was within about seven or eight miles, that little town he lives in, on the left was hills, and on the right, I could see it over there probably a couple of miles was the river, and in between it was just corn. And, and so for the last, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 miles, I was just looking at that good old Illinois corn on the right. That's corn country, you know, and uh, meet up with Jeff at his shop everything you expect a duck call maker shop to be you know i mean geese and ducks hanging everywhere and i, I park the truck out front and i'm walking in and man it sounds like a flock of geese 
up inside, you know, the shop from the outside. It's him in there tuning a goose call. And uh, I got there kind of late. He stayed away. He stayed around to wait on me. And walked in and met him. We talked. He said, are you hungry? I go, man, I'm starving. We just walked, I don't know, half a block's distance. This little old uh, catfish shack, I guess. And it was just ate some fried catfish and french fries. And, and then went back and sat down and visited. You know, and just had a had a nice visit. It was just like just like me and you sitting across, you know, eating hamburger or something, and just talking. And uh, and we, I don't know, I, I can't even remember now. Rocky's been a few weeks exactly what we talked about, but I remember just catching up and talking about, you know, uh, a lot of different things. Uh, and just had a real, real good visit. I will always say that the two stories that really, really changed the tra- trajectory of this whole podcast was, was yours that really slunk, you know, kind of put it in a slingshot and really propelled it forward. But then, then Jeff falls behind it, man, just, just two stories that put the end of the line podcast on the map. Those yeah, two and stories I, you know, but I'll tell you this, you know, on the heels of Jeff's podcast, on the end of line podcast, that, that, that on, in, on the on the hill of his series, you know, I, I I drove up north, did that northern tier, and everybody, everybody was abiding, tagging, and uh, and really cognizant of some of those issues and how it affected them, whether they were just duck hunters or commercial outfitters, and and you know, I told Jeff, uh, I think I told him. During our recorded conversation, he he had probably done more to make people aware of a lot of those issues than than anything I've ever read in any DNR Gazette or Federal Digest or anything else over the years. He he really opened a lot of people's eyes, including my own, just how critically important you know that kind of stuff is. And, oh, and uh, then Ryan, anyway, and then Ryan, super Morton. guy, man, he's a super guy, and you know I just. I really just enjoyed just just visiting with him. You know, I just I, I love so much to meet with real duck hunters, and it doesn't matter if if, uh, if they're famous like Jeff or just regular folks. I just you know everywhere I go, I get to meet and talk to just real duck hunters and and see you know see their little slice of heaven. I call it, and and it's always it's always eye opening. It's always enjoyable, and and uh, and I know that I know that. I'd like to meet with Jeff again and, and revisit some issues uh, that we talked about after the podcast. You know, just some ideas he's got and, and uh, that I think would really, really do good things for, for the hunting community. Uh, I really do. I, I think he's got some great ideas uh, to open up hunting opportunities and, 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 uh, and help get young people involved. Just a, just a very knowledgeable guy, very interesting guy. And I'm, I'm really proud to call him friend and to have met him. Well, I don't know if you know this why you've been in the duck blind this morning, but Lee Chose. Uh Lee's a good friend of both of ours. Lee's been on the podcast lately and uh talking with him about his story, but he, don't you know the Chose family is is in our thoughts and prayers because Lee lost his son in law. Yeah, this past past weekend or uh, October the twenty first. That would yeah, have been on Monday. 
Yeah. And, 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 yeah, I, he he uh, he and I talked about that, and it just, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, especially for uh, for the surviving daughters. Uh, that's just a very 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 sad sad thing. And you know, we we golly, how many how many times do you step into a duck boat and go hunting, and you just never. You know, we kind of forget about that part, of the, the danger part of it, like that. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm deeply saddened, and I hate that. Uh, I hate that for the whole entire Chose family. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys that are listening to this, please remember them as, because he he leaves behind uh, Lee's daughter, his his wife, and they had a, a twins, right? Yep. Ramsey. Yep. Yep. Thirteen year olds. Yep. I mean, it's just a, you know, we, we go hunting in these places and we think that because we've done it so many times, we just, you know, we don't think anything about what we're doing, but, you know, some things happen quickly, duck hunting from a boat. I mean, life I in mean, general, man, quick. you know, and we, we've talked about this a lot and, and I just, I would remind everybody, you know, please keep that entire family in your prayers, but also go home and hug the people you love and let them know it. Cause you never know. Well, Ramsey, I know that you are busy and I, I know that you have to, to, you're, you're, you just got done hunting there and Salt Lake, are you headed back home now? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll be home tomorrow. I'm heading home tomorrow. And uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful visit. And I can tell y'all this won't be the last time. Uh, matter of fact, I told all these boys I've hunted with, next time y'all see me, I'm going to be in a U-Haul saying, howdy, neighbor. And because uh, it's, it's some good hunting out here, boys. I'm going to tell y'all right down. You know, but the thing, the thing that kind of got to themselves, you know, back home in the deep south, you can't talk about public land. But here you kind of can because ain't nobody just going to show up with a sack of decoys and, and run, a, run a game on these guys. I'm going to tell you right now, you better know what you're doing and where you're going. And it's a real, real big area. There's a lot of stories of people getting stuck and getting lost and uh, out in this body of water. It, it's, uh, my God, you know, Rocky, this, uh, the wetland size of this basin on average is about a third the size of the entire Mississippi Delta. And it's all marsh and it all looks like in the dark. It's it's yeah. it's an amazing wetland, and uh, but there's no there's no uh, there's no just going out there. I can tell you that these guys uh, like Tony, who specializes in divers, some of the guys that are that are running airboats and getting off the beaten path. Uh, man, you better know where you're going and, and and what you're doing. You know, you really you really better. And uh, it's, it's a whole different water. game. It, oh, it can be. Now we haven't been hunting in shallow water. You know where you hunt these divers is in is in deeper water, and I, I, by deep I mean waist deep. Uh, and it's got to have you know these birds are real specific, real specific to uh, the sago pond weed out here. That is the that is the food source for the divers. And uh, man, you find it thick, you start finding these birds, and and it's just it's very very interesting. When you get off in that shallow water around those teal, this time of year. Uh, Oh, what do they call that? Uh, alkali bulrush seeds. And then later in the year, a lot of the birds are transitioning to eating brine shrimp or brine shrimp. Brine shrimp. Eggs. That's right. And, uh, That's you right. know, I don't know how these birds find all these different habitats, but they do. 
and it's just it's just uh it, it's been a huge adventure and a huge eye opener and uh i know a lot of people have been been following our story on instagram and uh but anyway rocky i enjoyed it and we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go clean some ducks now <laughs> we gotta right, go clean brother. some ducks but anyway thank All y'all right, well have a yeah have a safe trip back but let's get to that interview with jeff now this is Ramsey Russell Get Ducks, ducks eating somewhere. And I'm in a little town called Hardin on the banks of the Illinois River. I drove up to the shop this afternoon, and I wondered if I was at the right place. I think it was an old John Deere building. And I walk in, and there's geese and ducks hanging from the ceiling. And there's, I don't know, at least a million calling awards uh, hanging up on the walls. But as, even as I was walking in, I could hear a flock of Canada geese beckoning me to walk through the door sitting across the table from me is jeff Foles, and uh jeff how are you good man especially after that catfish we just ate oh yeah yeah we so we just finished eating dinner uh best catfish i've had in a long long time and i i just uh i've always wanted to meet jeff i want to stop by and visit with him and um and and just kind of follow up on on some of the topics you know i just got back from a big trip from michigan to alberta and all around the northern tier it took about a month getting around and, and what struck me is how every single person no exceptions except for three canadians that, that aren't subject to that but every single person every single outfitter every single hunter every single guide uh there were more yellow tags flapping around and going on and birds being tagged and head and wings and left and, and birds being labeled and going in the freezer and jeff i really attribute a lot of that to you i think i think you've had a profound impact on the way things have happened now well for telling the story on the podcast to uh you know with just everything that happened to me you know and and telling the story i don't think anybody believed it it could be that harsh you know it could really happen to you <clears throat> between myself and well Ryan Warden and um but man just um just like Fed said we're gonna try we're gonna stop this party hunting and guide shooting birds and all this and then piles of birds and all that and and uh they, they you know they tried to make a good example out of me doing it and, and uh and no matter what ever, ever happened if it helped everybody else is all worth it you know I mean right now like you said everybody's tagging I was just in New York you know, and we're killing 15 birds a piece, you know, and we got a big pile of them. I go, no way, man, we ain't doing that. <laughs> and I looked up, and here come them guides, and they all got stringers with yellow tags, you know, from Ryan or whatever. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe you guys got I said, oh, no, dude, we've been listening to all this. We ain't getting, you know, we ain't even getting close. And it was kind of funny. One day, I think our limit was 90 birds that day, and we killed 90. And we could have killed 190, I think. It was so good. And they had two young boys up there, and they had only shot once or twice, you know. And uh, they basically bought gear. They was they was uh, basswoods guys, but they come out there and kind of let me run the show. But they were just kind of with us. And uh, those boys tried to get them to shoot. Said, "No, no, we're done. We ain't getting involved in this." You know. So it's it's really it, it's it's really good that people are following that now. You know, I mean, it's a shame um, the way it ha- the way it come come about, but you know. But, uh, but yeah, everybody's following that across the country now. I hate you had to go through all that. I really do. It uh, there were times listening to your podcast, my palms sweated, and there were times listening to your podcast, I ground down my feelings. It it just so uh, disturbed me in in in, a, in an angry type way. I, I didn't. Uh, I was really really glad to hear. 
the rest of the story and to see how it works. But I'm I'm really glad. You know, everybody I've been talking to on these 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 little podcast episodes, it's just a different a different way of thinking now. I think than it was back then, and I think it's conversations right. like yours have changed that narrative. It has. I think that you know, I think everybody's seen how serious it could be. Um, where most, you know, most everybody would think that would just be a ticket you would get and maybe lose your license for a year or something. But it, they, it got pretty. Uh, I don't know where you're going to say out of control or whatever it did, but it got it got pretty uh, devastating for me. And uh, if that helped everybody, though, you know, maybe that's part of it. You know, so it's um, it's it's really neat how to see that all the different. Uh, private messages and stuff that I'm getting now from people that gets it now. And we're, hey, we changed everything, and we're tagging birds, and we're doing this, and we're watching limits, and we're watching, we ain't letting guys shoot, you know, we're stopping three or four birds short of limit, exactly. you know, because they're scared to death, you know. And and <clears throat> I'm glad that they're not going to get in trouble for this and they're paying attention. But then deep down, the old school part of me is like, Ramsey, if me and you went out there and we're buddies and we went out there hunting, we took two more of our buddies out there. And we could kill 20 ducks, and we got 20 ducks laying there upon. We all, well, all of us got our license, and we're not over the limit. What is the difference? You know, to me, right. that's the old school way of thinking to me. But uh, it, it is the, the old way school is. way of thinking. And, and I get where they're coming from because uh, all these Migratory Bird Treaty Act rules uh, to prevent market hunting, which is a story unto itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I get it. We uh, th- This is a resource. We're not selling birds for meat anymore and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's almost like gun control. If you want to, why do we have the, the, these antiquated rules? If, if you don't want people to sell ducks at the market, then make it illegal. Right, you, exactly. I, you don't have to ban guns. You just make murder illegal. Right, exactly. And, and right. enforce that rule. Right, that, that, exactly. That's just the way I look at it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I still, it, it, when you start talking about party hunting, I get where they're coming from, and we abide. But at the same time, four guys sitting in a blind, fifty green wings come in. Are we supposed mm-hmm. to take turns into that? Because there's not enough. Yeah. There's not enough opportunity is, in North America Aaron, today for us to take turns on volleys. And you brought up something good there. <clears throat> I'm glad you did. So there's fifty green wings come in, and this happened to me several times last year out on the river, and uh, we'd have a pretty good wad of them come in and. Four or five guys get up and shoot, and they ball up right in front of you. Now, you tell me who killed them. That's right. I mean, you I t- get it. If you were on one end of the blind and I was on the other, yeah, guaranteed. And you got a mallard going You shot way. one end and I shot exactly. the other. We know. Yeah. But but when you get four guys or five guys in a blind because you're all buddies and, and hey, they, it, it's expensive mm-hmm. to hunt and have your individual blind anymore, right. what do you do? I mean, everybody could shoot their zones, right. but still. right. Four guys shooting a block of 50 till eight, eight till die. That's two apiece. Right. That's just how the and math works. That's the way works. you got to do it, you know. You know. You might not know exactly, you know. Um, as long as, to me, and, and you take kids hunting. I think that's the biggest part of this. You know, you and I take out, you know, two of our kids or grandkids out there. And they're, and they're just started shooting out there. Them, them kids are going to shoot all the time. They're probably not going to hit much. So we're going to shoot with them. You know, and mm-hmm. if they don't get anything down, nothing falls, they're going to burn out and they're going to get tired of it. But That's if they right. get a few ducks down, they think they killed them. You know what I'm saying? It makes right. it hunt for them. And so I don't know. I just, I, 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 the old school part of me can't go for this thinking you ain't ever going to stop it, you know, the party hunting. But 
They come in, separate. Boys, all I can tell you is when that dog brings that bird in and brings the next one, you start separating them right then. And you start oh, giving yeah. them away, and you separate them, put them on stringers, and you have your tag ready at the end of the deal, and you have them separated, or you won't get a ticket. I hunted, I hunted with some folks uh, up in North Dakota that actually you attach your yellow tag to your stringer before the hunt started, in the dark, yeah, before the hunt started. And, and we, you know, yeah. but, and we, we – and, Let's just say five guys in a blind, and this this stranger's got six ducks. Mm-hmm. Well, unload, baby, and enjoy the show. Pour the coffee and, and, and enjoy it. That's right. just how it works, and that's and fine. That's what, and, and a big thing is going to be for the boys out east this year, they got a 30-day one-goose season. They're going to have to watch it. Oh, I, yeah. I've played that game before here in Illinois and a Michigan one-time guide, you know. You have to watch those guys like a hawk. Who killed what? And the, and the guy you love then is the guy that, the bragger. He, hey, I killed that one. Good. Here, you're done. Yeah. Put your tag on it. You're out here, you know. And unload your gun. So. The way I prefer to hunt, the way that, you know, the days that I just truly ultimately enjoy would be me in a blind or me and you in a blind or, you know, like two guys in a blind and, you shoot, I shoot. You shoot, mm-hmm. I shoot. It's just, right. it's unreal. It, it, it's not, it doesn't conform to today's standard when there right. may be four or five or six of us. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and, and it's just, but I, but I get not stacking those birds up like cordwood. You know, we can break them up, we can separate them, we can do right. some stuff like that. And it's really not that hard. And these tags aren't that big a deal. But I've been shocked. You know, we were in Canada, and I was, I mean, we everybody had their pile of geese, right? And uh, and we all had our tags ready and everything mm-hmm. else. And we were out there laying them out for the picture, you know, rows of rows of eight dark geese. Right. And as I'm bent over getting everything done, somebody walked up. I just seen with one of our hunters, and it wasn't. It was a provincial law enforcement. And uh, how in the world he snuck up on them from a half mile away across the open field? I don't know, but they did. You know, he just kind of appeared. But it wasn't no big deal. He's friendly as can be. Uh, he wasn't rude or impolite at all. We shook hands. We talked. I showed him a gun. Showed him a license. And as we broke out the yellow tags, he asked, what is that? And we said, well, you know, for tagging the birds. And he says, huh, I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, it's a federal law in Canada. He said, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't enforce it. <clears throat> they don't. I one time, I never forget one time, I never got checked probably three times in all the 20 years of Canada, whatever it was. And the one time I did, we, we was on a duck hunt, and there was, there was uh, I had uh, 10 of us in there, so we could kill, you know, 80 birds. And so we had them, and we piled them in the back of my trailer. And the guy, I seen the guy coming, I'm thinking, uh, and these were all hunters, and they're in a suburban, you know, and I got my trailer, so the natural thing it is to throw them in the back of foils of the trailer, and he's going to the club, and they'll, you know, clean them. So, the, but we're all in different vehicles. I'm not thinking a lot about it because it was Canada, and I didn't think nobody. So this guy pulls up. He cuts back and opened the gate, and I said, "I said, boys, we got a ticket coming." And so he just opened it up, and looked at it. And he goes, "How many you got there in that pile?" And I said, "Well, there's 80 birds in there." <clears throat> I said, "Maybe 79," because I double counted them. And I said, "But there ain't 81, I promise you." And uh, he said, "That's all right." He goes, "Oh, Stan's a good guy, the outfitter. I know him. Everything's good." And I'm thinking, he didn't say a word. He didn't say a word about it. Mm-mm. When they came in my shop and on me that day, when all the feds and everybody came in on me, and we sat down there and talked, they asked me what I would do on a normal hunt. On a nor- what, ha- what happens on a normal hunt? And so I, I explained to them. I said, well, let's just say us three. There was a state game warden, and the fed was there. And I said, let's just say all three is here, and three birds come in. You, I told you guys get up and shoot. I'd let you shoot first, boom, boom, boom. And then finally I get up and shoot with you, and we kill all three of them. And I said, 
The dog brings them all in. It's two drakes and a hen. I'll ask you first, who killed them birds? Did you kill them birds? You're probably going to say, oh, I don't know what I got you. What I, so I'll probably take the hen myself, put it in my pile. You can put the, the drake in front of each one of you. And that fed turned around and looked at me and goes, why wouldn't you just throw them down? You know, and figure out what. And I said, I looked at that state warden, and he kind of looked at the fed, and he goes, because that's the law here. You got to separate it. He didn't know it. That's what I'm saying. He didn't. Here he come in, and he didn't even know that. So, And, you know, I'll say this though, because uh, I have not always tagged birds. And it's funny, like if I'm if I'm uh, have been to an outfitter two states over, and the birds are processed, we've tagged, mm-hmm. we put them in a cooler. Right. When I have uh, imported birds from Mexico or from Canada or from somewhere, you know, you declare them on a three one seven seven form. You go through the paperwork. You label your contents of your cooler. You you got your birds tagged. But I've never really, uh, I mean, in years past, I'd say for the last 10 years, I've got a, a leather duck tote that's just got my name on it. And I've mm-hmm. always figured, if, well, who ducks are these? Well, it's got my name got on it. Got my name on it. doesn't have my signature yeah. and my address and nothing else right, like it says. Right, yours. But, uh, you know, we hunters are footing the bill for conservation. We all know that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're carrying a weight. And we, we consider ourselves hunter conservationists. Mm-hmm. We're leading in wildlife conservation and and I guess uh, now that I fully am aware of what the law is, you know, like somebody asked me on uh, inbox, you know, they said, well, "How long has this been a law?" And I says, "Since 1918." <laughs> but it's kind of becoming a big deal yeah. now. Yeah. And you know, but, but as I thought about that, I go, "It is the law." And and how can I be hunter conservationist? Right. And break that law. Right. As little and insignificant, right. or as antiquated though it may be, I think, mm-hmm. it's still the law. Right. And as long as it's on the books. Right. How can I be? Right. I can't be both. No. I, I can't be, but I got, I got to abide the law. In your mind, to be a hunter conservationist. Mind, way that you don't think that, you know, but it's the way it's supposed to be. I just don't think they ever push it, and I'm not even sure they taught them that about years ago. You know, because I never heard of that before until... It, it's kind of a big deal. And, it's you know, a big deal I, I feel now. like we hunters, you know, and I feel like, uh, I just feel like I travel around the world and I see Australia and I see Netherlands and I see these other countries and I see these other conflicts and I see some of the stuff going on in America with regards to hunting and, and, it, and it, when I really think about it, I think myself, I'm a little worried that hunting is hanging by a thread and we're being looked at. And scrutinized by a lot of people, mm-hmm. and, and I think okay, if it's as simple as filling out a tag, I'm gonna fill out a tag. Yeah. And I'm gonna be legal. This this dude abides. Yeah. Legal is cool. And it's not that big a deal. It's just, it, it just seems to be a big deal because when I run my duck club up there, I did not want to deal with leaving that wing on, you right. know, wing on the breast. That's a pain. And it's even, and it's nasty putting them all together with a wing on it. You know, I just absolutely didn't want to deal with that. You know, it takes a bigger bag and more, you know, takes up more room. So I said, well, what can I got to do? And I, I swear, I swear to God, Ramsey, trying to find out the law on that was unbelievable. I mean, right. you got to rig deep. You can call and call and call. And not many people knew the answer to that, you know. So I called a picking shed in southern Illinois, been in business for years, and they told me what you got to do. And I said, it's basically real simple. You have to have a logbook that tells the hunter's name, the date, their address, their hunting license number, the species of the bird, you know, whether it was a mallard drake or hen, or a hen drake, whatever it was, and you log that in this book. And you put that same information, goes onto a tag, and that same tag goes right in that bag in there. And in once the that's in there... It's over, it's done, and I can throw them things in my freezer then. 
You know, I could throw them in my freezer at that point. And here comes your grandma can come and pick them up. Right. Because they are tagged in your name, logged, everything. So that's the way picking sheds work. And so it's no different than a deer processing shed. You know, once you process that and put that at a processing market, anybody can go pick it up if it's already been tagged and they know whose bird it is and all that. So that's what we did at my duck club. I mean, we processed that whole thing. So then actually what happened, then they kind of used that against me. Then they used the party hunting thing as I killed five of those birds instead of you killing, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right. And then took that thing across the state line. All know, in the camp. And then it, it was Lasiac. So, so you really got to be careful out there. I mean, whatever you do, I mean, you got to be so, so careful with it all. It, it, it's, you do got to be careful, but you know, uh, I learned the definition of conservation as wise use. That, that's the, de- you know, and that's two words, being smart about it, mm-hmm. to, to preserve that animal and, and perpetuate its species, and then use. Use meaning consume. Mm-hmm. And so with, with that definition in mind, it, there, there are a lot of little wrinkles. For example, just coming back from Canada, I can process that bird. I can breast him or pluck him with a head or wing attached and bring mm-hmm. him across here. But I can't make sausage, right? And and it's like so. It's almost like uh, it's almost counterintuitive to my using that bird right. if I choose to eat him, right? You know what I'm saying? And and that, so mm-hmm. now I've got to struggle with gifting that bird, right? Well, I, maybe I want to eat those birds, right? He's like, I know, I know, I know the pain of it. I've stayed up there for months, for fifty days at a time. You know, I used to, and and uh, it was tough. You know, you kill all them birds, and you want to, you do want to take some back, and he might take some back to get mounted. So it's a tough deal, you know, if you want to take some back to eat and get mounted. And, and uh, Phil Robinson and I and always talked about that, you know. So you have a possession limit of two days limit, or whatever, two or, two or three days limit, okay? So, but we also have a law that says you can kill six ducks a day for, for 60 days. That's 360 ducks. 360 you ducks. You tell me somebody can eat that many. I can't eat them every day and eat that many ducks. No, I so do that. once you tag this, once you log this and all that, why is it any different than a deer when you put that deer in your freezer? Because you only kill one or two, but you eat on him all year long. You, you follow what I'm saying? I do. There, there needs to be, I think the feds need to, to redefine that somehow, where if you're going to keep them in the freezer, it have to be logged in a log book or tagged or whatever, your tag has to be logged in a logbook. So if they come to your house, here it is. There's that tag. It's in there. So prove that you, you know, you follow where I'm at? Sure. So you can keep these birds so your family can eat them all year long and don't have to worry about you having, you know, 20 days limits in your freezer because you like ducks and you want to eat them in summer, you know. So I think it really needs to be a... There's too much. I wish I wish they could get the biologists and the law enforcement together to just maybe reevaluate it. For example, you know, here, here's something that kind of just always one of the things that make you go, huh? Netherlands is a very socially progressive country, liberal, socialistic, and they banned goose hunting, but you can hunt them under depredation permits. Mm-hmm. And nonetheless, you can sell those geese, and and and. You go to a natural store, to a like a health right. food store, and you buy goose for Christmas, and it's got a little BB hole in it because mm-hmm. it was shot by a hunter. Yeah. And those, those birds are being consumed. Mm-hmm. 
That's awesome. I, I mean, yeah, it's like you know, is market gunning is is the commercial use? If it, if it's some kind of way, I'm not saying that we go rape, pillage, and plunder the resource, right? Because there, I'm just saying, shouldn't we want to see those birds every opportunity made to see those right. birds utilized exactly. by somebody exactly? Because a lot of people, and probably I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say six I'm gonna say half the hunters don't like them. Yeah. They don't like to eat them. I, you know, yeah. and, and you know that well as I do, you know. They love to hunt them, love to hunt, and they're trying to find somebody to give them to all the time. And they usually do, they find somebody, but it would be nice if they could do that. Like like when we were in New York, we killed all those birds and tagged them all that. How can I go up there for five days, kill 300, we killed, our group killed 310 birds. Can't eat all them things. You know what I'm saying? So we did give the Amish food bank and different things like that. There should be more of that. There should be more of, like you said, like another one says, if not a high dollar for them, there should be something where you could sell them, you could do something with these birds, so everybody could eat them. The people do like it, you know. So these hunters that don't like them could get rid of them some way, somehow, where somebody else could, uh, you, know, you know, consume them. Yeah, so there needs I, to be something, you know. I, I, would just, I would like to see it reevaluated. <clears throat> now, I'll tell you something funny. I was in Australia. The limit was 10 ducks a day. And they don't differentiate between hens and drakes and species. Mm-hmm. It can be 10 of anything mm-hmm. or in aggregate. And so we had gone out and shot limits of ducks in some beautiful timber. And we got back to the truck and we dropped a tailgate. And he said, well, let's clean these ducks. And I'm breathing with head and wing attached, wing attached, you know, like you do. And he goes, what are you doing, mate? And I go, well, I'm leaving a wing attached. He goes, why? I go, well, because you aren't that what you're supposed to do. And, and he goes, No. He said, no, take the wing off. He said, matter of fact, fillet them. Mm-hmm. And so I began to explain to him our rules. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I got to have a head of winger tag. Mm-hmm. Got to show the species. Mm-hmm. He says, "He says, well, there's two hunters, and the limit's 10 apiece. That's 20 ducks or 40 breast halves. He says, mm-hmm. our game won't be smart enough to do the math, Randy. <laughs> See, I'm with that. <laughs> I mean, I'm all about You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing our rules, mm-hmm. but I'm saying there I might know. be... There might be some room and balance in there. There needs to, to yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I don't know enough about it to speak highly intelligently or authoritatively about it, but I do know this. I do know that right now there is proposed sweeping changes to parts of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act in Canada that's coming from their biological side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's got to do with possession. If the birds are processed and frozen, once that meat is frozen, they're no longer in your possession. Right. Now, I'm not, this, this, this kind of odd to me because these are the, these are the numbers guys. Mm-hmm. These are the guys that, that are, you know, really watching the bank account, so sure. to speak, in dust sure. inventory. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I wonder to myself, I, I really want to meet with that guy. I really want to know more about this proposed law. I've heard, I've heard it pretty eye opening changing. Why do they want to do it? I think I know why I would want to do it. Mm-hmm. Why can they do it? Justified through the numbers of the bird biology. And uh, what what implications would it have here in the U.S. with another Migratory Bird Treaty Act partner? Right. Maybe so, none, but possibly. So how hard is this <clears throat> with this tagging system, with the processing system that's been in forever? How tough is this? Most of us duck hunters write a diary what you do every day anyway, a lot of times, mostly for wind or for, you know, weather changes or whatever. It's, you're going to fill this tag out. 
and that tag usually has a number on it or whatever and has your date and the amount of ducks and whatever how hard is it? you keep a log of that that matches that tag on each date write yeah. this down you want to put that in your freezer you put that tag in there and you hold a log book and let's say you hold that log book for two years and i think in illinois i think you only have to keep it for a year Mm-hmm. And but anyway, if you keep that logbook safe for you, <clears throat> you just turn yourself into a processing plant. The way I read the rule, you can absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. That's how we did it. We never got no ticket for that, you know, because we had that all right down, you know, as a club doing that as, as a processing plant. So I don't see why that can't go into effect to where you're not birds in your freezer is not your possession, like you said. Once they're froze. They're part right. of your year's limit, yeah. You know, I'm I I do. I'm one of the parts. I do enjoy mm-hmm. eating duck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do enjoy it, and I, I enjoy it a lot of different ways. Um, enjoy geese, and, and really, I these guys I hear calling snow goose sky carp. Just they haven't eaten fall or spring <laughs> my, snow geese. It's, it's some of the, it's some of the best out there. It truly, my is. Uh, son and I eat them all the time. He yeah, yeah. I, I love them, and and uh, <laughs> I really do like them. But you know, our law says. I'm just saying to me. To me, in other words, it, it's not. I don't. I don't care whether you eat the duck or not. You're, mm-hmm. If you want to hunt them, hunt them. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, right. I don't. I don't believe you have an obligation to love eating duck meat. Right. So, right. Some people don't like to eat calf liver. Some people don't like a lot <clears throat> right. of different things. Right. You know. But but I find it. I find it very interesting that when those birds are at my domicile. Now, if I'm at hunting camp. I've got to process them, head or wing attached, mm-hmm. or I can put them in my truck, carry them to my domicile, my home, mm-hmm. and pitch them right in the truck. Right, right. I, I, it just, it just, it just seems to be some inconsistencies. Sure. And I'm all about. Look, I want. You know the difference in a bird watcher. Cause I know I've known these guys that'll fly to Bangkok to find a certain bird. Of, of <laughs> my brother-in-law's t- that way. You know, yeah. to check off one little doohickey right. bird in a right. tree for his life list. <clears throat> but the difference in those guys and hunters as conservationists is, whereas that guy's content to see one bird, we want to see millions. Exactly. Right. You know, so we all want these birds mm-hmm. to be around. Sure. I, I don't want to see just 10 mallards so I can shoot four of them. I right. want to see a million sure. of them. Just and so I can experience it. That's yeah. right. That's what exactly. I want. Yeah. So I'm all about that, but mm-hmm. it, it just, it just, your podcast has really, really made me think and reevaluate, and just made me say, well, I wanted to, there are just some inconsistencies with all these rules, mm-hmm. right? You know, of course, Congress so so busy trying to get Trump out of office, they'll never get around to talking about ducks again. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm, I'll change the subject a little bit. I got a question for you. Is uh, we were eating. Eating that catfish tonight for dinner and talking and visiting. You got mm-hmm. talking about going to Mexico and and mm-hmm. doing some of the stuff back back uh, when you were uh, at the heyday of your career. You were uh, everybody knew you. You were you were a rock star. I'm gonna call you. You were a rock star. And um, and I, I I knew who you were. I'd seen your films, but I didn't know you then like I know you now. Jeff, what do you? You're still. I don't use the word celebrity. It's like that era has passed. It's, it's like uh, Lee Chose was talking about, he and I were talking about, you know, there's no more rock bands. You've not, I mean, there's no more. No. There's no more Led Zeppelin's, ACDC's. <clears throat> no. There's no I wish more. wish there was. Yeah, it, those <laughs> days are gone. And, right. and I think the same thing has happened in our industry right. and other industries. But you still are very, very well known and very influential. In fact, I would say your influence 
may be greater now than maybe ever. Yeah, it's uh, well back then everybody followed you because it was the hard hitting and the rock and roll and uh, you know um, and uh, the kill him and five months of hunting and all that and uh, but now it's more uh, it's a whole different era you know from advertising to the internet to shows are different it's a whole different era and if you don't step up to that era right now you'll, you'll just be a sinking ship. You know, and it, it's tough. And, and like after this all happened to me, it's like almost when it all changed at that time. It's about the time it all changed, you know, and all went to that. So I come out after 13 months being gone and like it's a different era almost overnight, it seemed like. And uh, that's when I remember being in prison and there was a TV you'd watch. Apparently, I remember the first episode of Duck Dynasty coming on. I'm sitting there going, yeah, I know them guys. <laughs> all them drug guys are like, yeah, sure. You know, and, but it's almost like that's when it all started, all changing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody just thinks, well, why don't you uh, sell decoys, you know? Because you can set it home on the internet or at work on the internet and order from like Rogers Sporting Goods. Yeah. And they'll ship them for free for you, you know. And so why do you want to go? You know, it's just not that going to the sporting goods store and checking it all out like it used to be. And, and there's none of that no more, it doesn't seem like. You know, I mean, I bet Cabela's or Bass Pro can tell you that. You know, it's nothing mm-hmm. like it used to be. You know, they'll just get online and order it. But <clears throat> hopefully, with all this stuff that happened, you know, that now. I can help people from going through what I did, you know, and, mm-hmm. and see it at a different aspect or whatever and, and, uh, and, and take it to a different level that way, you know. Um, I, I retired this year from ironworking, and I turned 62 this year and uh, got my Social Security and all that, and I thought I was going to retire. I'm working harder right now than I ever have, I think. You know, I've been, you know, I got in here this morning at 7 o'clock. And if you love what you do, it's not work. And you just love what you do, and then uh, it seems like, you know, while people are just, with that podcast and everything, I think people saw the real, exactly what happened and, and what could happen to you. But um, one thing we did this weekend, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, did you did you see the deal online about Yeah, I did. I kept, I kept up with you on social media for sure. Man, it came out so good. It was, it was just one of the most, all the contests I've been going to for years and uh, years and years, I mean, you know, centuries, I guess, but, or, uh, you know, but decades, I should say, but it was probably the best one I've ever been to. Um, at the World last year, I think uh, they had 23, 24 callers in it. We had 21. And uh, 21 unbelievable good ones, you know. All the money went to St. Jude. Well, they're from all over the U.S. They were, was. They had boys from Minnesota and Missouri, you know, all over the place, you know. And, and uh, it, it was really good. I had one boy from California, Duck Cullen, you know, and had, had a lot of them, you know. So it was, it was really good. And uh, uh, all the money went to St. Jude's, and we raised uh, – Forty nine hundred and fifty bucks or something like that, you know, for St. Jude's, and, and you know, and just that one day. So that was really cool, you know, how it all all came about. And I hope there's a lot more of that because contests are starting to die out. And we did it in Tim Grounds Memorial. That was his hometown, you know, and he's kind of legend in this sport, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, he iconic. Was, yeah, he was the he was the trunk of the goose hunting tree, you know, and everybody else was kind of branches that come off of it, you know. That's right. And uh, and then his boy Hunter. And you know Hunter. Mm-hmm. Hunter uh, called him last week. I said, are you going to judge? Because he's supposed to help me judge. And uh, <clears throat> he said, no, nope, I'm going to blow in it. I go, what do you mean you're going to blow in it? Are you supposed to help me judge? And he said, no, nah, I'm going to blow in it. I ain't practiced, but I want to blow in it. 
He blew the best routine he ever, ever I've ever heard the kid since he was a little kid. Best one ever, and he's won everything. And um, he won by several points, and he very well should have, you know. It was just like Dad reached down and put his shoulder on him, you know, and said, kid, you're going to do this, you know. He had a little incentive, though. Yeah, and he had a little incentive to do it, and he blew three green nails and just, just smoked it, you know. Mm-hmm. Not one person in that whole building, callers, anybody, would tell you any you know, that he didn't deservedly win that thing, you know, and it was really cool. That It was kind of like when Dale Sr. crashed and got killed at, Daytona the next year junior come and won the race you know it was kind of like that you know it was was really cool so we're going to make that an annual thing and keep it up you know we had some very good sponsors we had $25,000 for the prizes it was crazy it was really it was really good time Jeff what next what what now where do you where do you go from here what with all the buzz, I know you're getting letters and people sending you mayonnaise and all kinds of goodies. What? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. You was talking about that mayonnaise, that Duke's mayonnaise, and you got your tangy ketchup now. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I got the other day, and I thought, and I usually go, and there's always calls and boxes and stuff to retune. And I mean, that's a bunch of calls, and that one's heavy, and opened it up, and it was a it was a guy sent me some Duke's mayonnaise there, and he wrote me a nice letter here, you know, and, and just how – kind of changed his whole ways of thinking and everything, you know. I mean, uh, I was, you know, like I said all along, I wasn't innocent at all, you know. I wasn't innocent at all, you know. Uh, but at the time, they had, you know, they had me as an axe murderer, you know. And I think showed people a little, it was a little different story that could happen to them, you know, mm-hmm. at the same time. But, yeah, it's kind of, where do I go? I don't know. Um, you know, I've done this stuff. I'm doing some stuff now. uh you know, there's just a lot of exciting things going on. You know, I mean, it, it's like waterfowl goes for a long time and nothing special happens. And uh, and your waterfowl there, what, what's one thing you think really changed it at the time? Oh, I don't know. You have habitat, decoys. There's a million different things. That have there's a bunch, it. but I'd say one thing that stuck out, sticks out in my head more than anything is a mojo. Yeah. And you know what that did to duck hunting, yeah. you know, overnight. It just it just instantly made a lot of people duck hunters. Yeah. But <clears throat> this new and you were just up there today, and I ain't been excited about nothing for a long time like that. But that and and I'm really really picky as I'm sure you are about my shotgun shells oh, I yeah. shoot, my gun and my shells. And uh, I may use a certain decoy or do whatever you know for sponsorship or whatever. But it comes to shells I'm not going to. So. Lee was telling me, Joe was telling me about this ball shotgun shells, and I'm thinking, oh, well, so I had to go to Minnesota to do a, uh, a show for Mankato Shields up there, Shield store, and uh, so I took an extra day, and I said, well, I'll come up and see it. He knew he was going to prove it to me, you know, and, you know, so I went up there, and we we shot that new, you know, new boss shells. That's the most exciting thing I've, I've had since Emojo. And uh, after going to New York and shooting all them geese, but I'm, I tell you, I shot them at every height, close, far, high, out wide, everywhere. It's the cleanest shell I've ever shot. What what, did, <clears throat> what size shot did you shoot at those geese in New York? Well, years ago when I shot lead, I reloaded all my lead for years, and you know when lead shot was in, and I re- I would use uh, a double A hole. With uh, five seven thirty seven grains of five seventy one, and a lot of times I'd mix fours and sixes together, oh. like a duplex load, and uh, so they built me some threes and fives together, mm-hmm. and that's what I goose under. I shot a little over case of them up there. My gosh! No, I'm, I'm really. Uh, I, I I have shot every ammo I could get my hands on, every gimmicky 
hyped up mm-hmm. buzz every uh and, and I've always just found that the basic work just as best. And look, still shot today is not still shot. It's much, much better than still shot oh, of yesteryear. Yeah. But it's still still shot. Mm-hmm. And uh I, I had the opportunity to shoot some of this new copper plated and I was astounded. Uh I shot it down in Argentina and the the boy I was with, the Argentine guy I was with, he didn't he didn't notice that I had gone from lead to this, but mm-hmm. but he had noticed the hits mm-hmm. and he kept looking over his shoulder at me and i finally mm-hmm. took off a shell and explained it to him and everything mm-hmm. else and then the buzz as i got back to camp walked out after a shower and coffee and kind of out there in the porch uh all the staff was asking about el jefe the boss mm-hmm. and uh they noticed the difference and then lee and i went back several weeks later and i was just back there in the bird boy room and it just blew my mind that you know these guys are going through uh six time eight fifty let's say fifty paper boxes a day of shale mm-hmm. at times right it's just trash throw it away with a hole right. put it in the burn pile and burn it and mm-hmm. there in their little room was a that empty box of el jefe mm-hmm. they kept that box it was like mm-hmm. that magic shotgun shell right. from america and that that's kind of don't take cool. my word for it there's a guy that that's right. seen lots of ducks die with lead right. but but i'm i'm enamored with it i took some uh two and three quarter inch fives and fours up to canada shot everything mm-hmm. everything from cranes to, to teal mm-hmm. um and i can see using the the, the bigger loads the heavier shot sale size on taller shots and bigger mm-hmm. birds but mm-hmm. uh i'm i'm really really like the way that stuff performs and i tell you it's not just the performance of that shell i like the vibe i like i like the i like the uh I like, wow! I like I like the the, the narrative. The I like the narrative this thing is sending out. This mm-hmm. old school, yeah, vibe. It's like a. It looks like an old Super X Double X shell, high brass shell. It performed as it much like, like lead as anything I've ever shot. But it's I. You know, Lee asked me what I thought. He said it, I said it's lead on steroids. That's the way I see it. Yeah, it, it's faster. It's cleaner. And after seeing to a gel packet after shooting geese, it's unbelievable. Penetrates even better, mm-hmm. and and the the consistency of it is unbelievable. I mean, there's a pattern sitting right there. It's just unbelievable what they do, you know. And those boys up there, I think the problem I'm I'm going to see is what you said. The problem I'm going to see is people got to get in their head when they buy it that this is not steel. No, no. You don't have to have BBs or twos or whatever. You know, it, you're back to thinking like lead was and there's very few of us left that shot lead no it is and i I was talking to a man up at game fair and um i said well what do you shoot now he says three inch or three and a half inch steel twos i said Mm -hmm. what'd you shoot back in the good old days and Mm -hmm. he smiled he smiled he goes i shot two and three quarter inch Mm -hmm. number four yeah i whipped them with Mm -hmm. i said why don't you try a box of that yeah i mean you know go try just try what you're not I right. started with sixes and sevens. I can tell you most of the places sure. I hunt in Mississippi, sixes and sevens. That's what I grew up shooting, two and sure. three quarter inch sixes and sevens at ducks. Exactly. And I think it worked just Anything fine. Anything you got in a pothole, like we had a pothole right here just two miles up from us across the river up there. I never shot anything but sixes. Yeah. That's all we shot in there, the sixes. But those boys I was from Georgia was long, had went and ordered twos. They figured they need twos for these geese. But I will say this. They destroyed them. With it. I mean, the thing I got about it was when you when you'd go out there and pick them up, they're dead. 
They're, I mean, dead. they're not cripples. They're dead. They're oh, stone dead. You dead. can see it. You know, you can see it when it hits them. You know, it's hitting them hard, and uh, you know, not a lot of cripples at all. And it, and if you got to reach out there and get one, it'll do that too. I mean, uh, there, we we had some shots that I'm not going to tell you yardage, but it was it was ridiculous. You know, it was ridiculous. Some of the yardage, some of the stuff was. And the difference in uh, you look at all the different things that we buy and we put into hunting to to kill our four mallards, six ducks, whatever. Ammo really is uh really isn't in the deal breaker of it all. Like like a duck boat or, or mm-hmm. these decoys or leases or gas or all right. the different stuff. I mean but it makes such a huge difference in mm-hmm. it. But but I tell you what what attracted me initially and what I what I really what I really sense along the boss ammo storyline is, is when you talk to Brandon Sarecki, who I talked to last night on, on recorded, or I talked to Lee, or I watch her social media. Mm-hmm. It's the message they're sending, and, and it's like it's like this this renaissance of old school conservation. And it's like it's like plain effective kills. Know mm-hmm. your pattern. Mm-hmm. Know your distance, and 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 hunt respectfully. I, I like that. I like that message. Right, and it's it's you know a lot of people say well. What's the deal? You bought this box and it comes all the, all your shells are in a plastic bag, and they give you one, two boxes, and this little bag to put them in. Well, you stop and think about this. How many times have you seen wet boxes, pieces of boxes laying all over the field in layout blind, and at the end of the day, they're wet in your bag, and all your shells is laying all over your bag, rusted up after three days in a mess. And this new deal that they've got, this little canvas bag that goes in there. And I knew when I seen that, that's Lee Joe's. That's old school, oh, yeah. waxed, Filson-type Lee Joe's. That's, that's, that's what it was. But it's the smartest thing. I mean, for, we hunt a lot of duck blinds here. Right. And we always put a two-before up here, right here, right your shelves, put your shells on. Well, they're wet and shiny red boxes and all the holes sticking out. Of, now you got a nail up there. You just throw that little rope on sense rope on there and you reach down there and get it was the coolest thing in the morning i just go to my case of shells and fill this bag up since that thing thought in my bag and no shells went anywhere it was a good i thought so, the red boxes looked so cool um but i was a little neutral on him on him having just a a big box and plastic bag out. But, mm-hmm. but see i use those leather ammo belts right and so now I just bring my ammo belt and reach in there and grab yeah. handfuls and load it up exactly. and put it on my back. I don't right. have boxes to open. I save moments and, mm-hmm. and, and hassle and don't make as much it's waste. A, it's a, just everything about it's a cool system. And like, you know, some guys, I had some guys, you know, say, well, man, that's a lot of money. And I don't, it's not much more money than anything no. else. And what it, the performance that it's doing for you is unbelievable. You know, and like you just said, you know, for conservation and the money you pour into boots, set of waders, so all this stuff. That may not make it through the season. Probably won't. And, and you know, and your guns, and I mean, don't short yourself on ammo. You know, I'm no. not going to go out there with my, you know, Hoyt Defiant bow out there and shoot wooden arrows. No. <laughs> What what is going to take the new generation though? These uh these guys that have just just I mean, cause you, you, you if you got a thirty year old hunter, mm-hmm. lead hasn't been legal in his lifetime has in no, America. Has no idea. And what what it, but but you remember when when the state when we all made the conversion from lead to steel, we all had to go out and pattern and adjust mm-hmm. and open up our chokes and figure all that stuff out. Well, now it's going to be you got to do it again because this this stuff likes a tighter choke. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it throws a more uniform pattern. You just mm-hmm. kind of need to know what you're doing. Right. And 
but I love it. I, I really, it's one of the most exciting things in duck hunting to come down the pipe in a long, long time. I, I just, it is. Know. And, uh, I make a choke tube called a straight heat choke tube, and I want to try it up there with Lee's, and that's what that pattern there is. But I'm just so happy it works so great with that tube. You know, it, it was kind of a great, uh, partnership, you know, with, sure. with my tube and that shell. I was real, and like my buddy said the other day, he, was, he said, you know, he was asking me all about it. And he said, I'm reading everything there is. He goes, now I can go out and take my dad's old Model 12, and I can shoot that with this, you know. That's a fact. I can shoot all my old guns with this. And and they're, and they're shooting, they're making, you know, for 28 gauges and 20 gauges and all this. It's awesome how they're making them for all these different guns. You know? I've, I've got a couple of projects I'm working on. I've got a... Um Old, my old granddad gun is, is a, like a 1972 era Remington 1100, no mm-hmm. bent rib, just round mm-hmm. barrel. And uh, I wouldn't shoot steel in it. It's got it's got just a real. The barrel is modified, not right. the choke. Right. You know, and and uh, a lot of those guns got foobarred when mm-hmm. steel came along. Right. Well, we all yeah. knew not to shoot it. And uh, yeah. I, I guarantee you, I'm gonna shoot some ducks with it this year. Yeah, it was a uh, when I was a kid. You bought, you know, you had you know, 30 inch full was a goose and duck gun. You know, that was a big deal. You know. Or a twenty-eight, you know, and but you had to pick. You know, a lot of people don't even realize that they didn't have choke tubes. They were just, you know, and you'd stick a, uh, you know, a dime or or quarter in there and see if it was full or modified or whatever it was. You know, if it would go through, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was improved or modified. Yeah, it's a whole different ball game now. But it's kind of cool how they took what lead could do and made it so it is. Uh, uh, organic and it's safe it's environmentally great and everything and and now there's less crippling and it'll do what lead did what we had because we all felt like we lost something for years we did i think and we, we did, did lose something i think we did i'll have to give it to a lot of the manufacturers that was steel but it took them a lot a lot of years but now you know they've got a lot better with it that's you know? right it, it's, I mean, be, it's better but it's still not like when it first started it still doesn't have the killing power of lead i'm no. sorry it does not no. it never will the whole no. the whole dynamic of steel uh just never is going to equal uh something like lead or this business 10 alloy they've come up with well for me i don't know i'm sure there's a lot of benelli guys out there listening that that uh i love my benelli and I shot three and a half inch. Everybody said, what'd you shoot? I said, three and a half inch threes at ducks. And I thought three and a half inch BBs at uh, geese. And why'd you do that? Well, the bottom line is real simple. When I, uh, it's got more shot out there. So when you're videoing or you're filming, it puffed them better and killed them better, you know, because nobody wants to see misses and cripples. So I shot that. But with that, and I've got calcium deposits on there where you ever see anybody get their home. This thing gets got so right. bad. I mean, I, I had a metal splint across my finger, d- duct taped on there all year long, because it would just pounded until it was raw. And uh, I'll never forget going to a sh- uh, shot show to a meeting with Benelli. I said, what's wrong with your finger? I said, I said, some three and a half inch shells, and I peeled it off. And my God, you need to get to the doctor. And I said, nah, I'll be all right. So I go up to uh, New York and shot over a case of shells up there in five days. And my finger just like it was. Them things don't kick. No. They don't kick hardly at all. And I was shooting three-inch, threes and five, uh, and three-inch shells. I could not believe how it, I never felt my shoulder. I never felt anything about it. And the other part about it was, and I, I did a little video clip and showed it. When I opened my gun up, 
And I'm not doing this as a boss commercial. That's not why I'm telling you all this. I just, I'm just excited about it. Right. When I want that gun up, usually my gun, you can put potatoes out of it. It's got to quit working for I'll clean it. This thing was as clean as I left my house. That's right. It is, uh, I saw you post that up, and, and I shot I shot about <clears throat> 700 rounds in the last month mm-hmm. and haven't cleaned it. I'll, I'll squirt the action with a little uh, rim oil or something like that because right. it's a Benelli. But right. other than that, my gun's clean. It doesn't, it doesn't, it ain't near about needing clean right no, now. No, it's ridiculous. And you take one of those empty hulls, you take any other shell and you look down, it's full of powder. You take one of those empty hulls, it's clean. Right. It's reloadable right there. That's exactly right. Yeah. Jeff, I'm picking hit the road, man. I've still got you got a good long ways ride. through the night, but I I appreciate your time and I enjoyed this. You got a few stops, to let them dogs out and air them out and all that kind of stuff along the road. But they they better hold it. They better hold it, then. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I hope y'all have enjoyed this. Follow us on at, at Ramsey Russell Get Ducks on Instagram, and uh, thank y'all for listening.